This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Welcome to the Game 4 post-game podcast. The Raptors have dropped another one to the Wizards, 106-98. The series is tied at 2. Uh, and this one was particularly depressing because the Raptors had a decent fourth quarter lead, 6-8 points, and then proceeded to fumble it all up. Um, stars of the fourth quarter collapse, if you will, uh, included uh, DeMar DeRozan, who uh, went into iso ball. And then uh, the Raptors were gifted with a very generous Bradley Beal sixth foul, which saw him set out the last few minutes of the game, but the Raptors could not capitalize, and uh, the Wizards, somehow buoyed by the departure of their second-best player, uh, pulled this one through as the Raptors continue to take terrible shot after terrible shot, um, a large departure from uh, what made them successful throughout the regular season. Uh, and uh, here to comment, uh, with emotion, I hope, is Sean Boskern. What's going on, man? I'm a little emotionless after that one, and I, I don't know what to feel. <laughs> is is it disgust or hate or sorrow or regret or uh, fear of what's what lies ahead? It, all all of the above. Um, that one, it felt like a nightmare that just kept getting worse in the second half. Uh, it started out promising. I thought we extended um, the good play after the first quarter better so than than game three anyway but um shit hit the fan <laughs> very quickly in the second half and uh you, you got to think about you know the offensive game plan which i'm sure we'll get into but there were a lot of things that went wrong in that second half and it didn't help that the wizards backcourt went off again for 50 plus points yeah l- l- let's start at the first uh and derozan we got to talk about him, man, because the guy was 10 for 29, uh, took a majority of the Raptors' possession, it feels like. Uh, certainly, whenever he was in the game, he was the only point of the offense that, that the Raptors went, you know, chose to go through. Uh, 18 free throws, 14 of 18, so that's good. But overall, took up a lot of possession and was not very efficient. Overall, ended with a, with a team-worst minus 12, which is not surprising because... Whenever he wasn't in the game, I thought our offense was definitely more fluid and ball sharing was better. Uh, with DeLon Wright in the in the game, things were really, really good, I felt. But whenever Rosen was in there, he just felt like he needed to rescue the Raptors when the Raptors really didn't need to be rescued. Um, that first quarter, uh, the Raptors were up 30-22 after one. Uh, the Wizards came out cold. Uh, the Raptors got to the line. Uh, but after that... Uh, you know, uh, 21-18 the second quarter, and then it was it was really the the start of the third when Washington just just blew us away. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think they outscored us by 11 in the third quarter, um, it, 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 and 40 points. And and once you start getting that backcourt going downhill in the fast break transition type game, it just becomes so tough. Um, Bradley Beal, uh, like I said in our in our podcast after Game Three. I think he unlocks this offense in a way that makes it very challenging for uh, for the Raptors to kind of respond to because when he's hitting threes, I think he was five for seven tonight from three. Um, it adds a much more 
difficult um, complexion to their offense to guard. And, and when you've got Wall going downhill, um, kicking out to shooters, it just makes them so difficult to deal with. And I thought they're out. Like, if you look at our starters versus their starters, it wasn't even close. Yeah. Um, their, their top five, I think, outplayed us throughout the game, even in, in parts of the first half. But in the second half, it was extremely pronounced. And it was one of those things where you just, it, to, to quote uh, Dwayne Casey, um, you just couldn't turn the water off. And and uh, when you're gifting away 18 turnovers once again, um, what do you expect when you're giving one of the best transition teams in the league, um, you know, live ball turnovers again and again and again? That That's what you get, right? Yeah. So... And, and they're a team that feeds off their confidence too, right? Yeah, and, and they're a bunch. Yeah, I think you nailed it right there. I mean, it, it seemed whenever the Raptors had any sort of momentum and they wanted to build on it and maybe extend the lead to something substantial, they turned the ball over and the Wizards came back and got a couple of scores. Uh, the the lead kind of teetered between that eight to twelve range for the most, you know, for the for the majority of the game. It felt like, but it really could have been around eighteen to twenty if the Raptors had taken care of the ball and been a little smarter on the shot selection. But the the turnovers we talked about last time was was a big issue in game three and again in game four as well. And also the nature in which uh, the Wizards are scoring has definitely improved because they had twenty three assists in this game. Uh, and it wasn't just about John Wall getting his. They they spread the, you know, spread the the offense around. Unlike the Raptors, who were very congested going through DeRozan and mostly Lowry, whereas the Wizards, they, over the last three games, man, they they've, I, I feel they've grown as a team and are playing more as a team. Whereas the Raptors are in a bit of a reversal. <laughs> this is pretty much what every single uh, Raptors fan that was scared of playing the Wizards. This is exactly why because. Uh, I viewed the Wizards even before this season as kind of the anti-Raptors in a way. I mean, they're the type of team that would underachieve in the regular season and then uh, rise to the occasion in the playoffs. And and this is exactly why, right? Like, this is why we were scared of the Wizards. I mean, top to bottom, they've, they've like, let's just be let's just be honest i think they have more talent than us top to bottom it's just we have a deeper team and when when your stars are outplaying our stars then it just makes it very difficult and um like i mentioned again on 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 the game three post game podcast when you've got guys like martian gortat um and and kelly Oubre jr and, and the supplementary pieces going as well and getting the 50 plus point contribution from your backcourt um, they're the type of team that can that can just overwhelm you, and that's kind of what happened to us in the second half. Um, they build off their confidence and their crowd. They've won now what seven or eight straight home games at uh, at Verizon Center in in the playoffs. So they're just a team that you know goes off of their confidence, and I don't think it's anything X's and O's. I think it's just we played into their hands, um, and 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 I think it was we were playing with a slippery slope, and once they caught their stride, we just couldn't catch them. Evaluate our offense uh, throughout this game. First half, second half. Um, what's what, so we shot forty three percent in this game. Um, g- give me your take on our offense. Like, do you notice a big difference between what you're seeing in the playoffs versus what you saw in the regular season? And what, and what are those differences? Well, I mean, this has been a tale of like two games and two games. I think the playoffs overall, uh, it's kind of hard to gauge because I think at home we kind of played the way we played in the regular season we saw contributions from the bench uh, a lot more assists uh, i think guys were shooting better um derozan and lowry weren't you know they didn't play huge roles but they still played good enough to kind of carry us to victory those were kind of prototypical victories we saw from the regular season but the past two games and i don't know if it's recency bias that makes us feel worse about it but the past two games have been the virtual opposite i mean the bench has been 
uh, aside from <clears throat> aside from uh, Jakob Pertl, who had a better game today than than in game three, aside from the six fouls, um, the bench was again not so great today, and um, and 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 you saw the two stars, Larry and DeRozan, who didn't play terribly, but obviously in ways that weren't uh, the ways that we saw in the regular season. They were more volume scorers, and and that really kind of I guess limited the offense in a way that didn't allow us to get past Washington because. I thought Brad, aside from Bradley Beal, like John Wall had good games in Toronto for both of those, you know, games one and two. But in these past two games, I think the way we've been scoring and playing and, and how unbalanced the offense has been and centered around DeRozan has created a, a sort of um, a beatable offense, so to speak. And I think the Wizards have have have, uh, have really shown that in these past two games. So it's kind of difficult to say regular season playoffs. I would kind of categorize it more as playoffs at home versus playoffs these past two games. And uh, and and you you mentioned the offense being stoppable, definitely containable. Because as soon as you limit the dimensions you operate in and go through your two star players, you become very predictable. And yeah. that's what I felt the second half was all about. Uh, every wizard, every time the Wizards brought the ball up the court, they had multiple threats. Uh, Wall wasn't just looking to score. Beal was there. Gortat was having a good game. Uh, Ubre Jr. was cutting. They, they, they had dimensions to their offense, whereas the Raptors were very narrow. You you knew what they were about, yep. and 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 it became it became easy to stop them. And just talk about the officiating a little. I felt. I felt the Raptors were getting a slight short end of the stick with with a few calls there, uh, but at the same time, you gotta stop complaining to the officials, man, because it detracts from how you play and it, you lose your focus and you and and it never actually works in your favor. Either you gotta go off at the officials and take a couple of big texts and send a message properly, but this constant like complaining, this soft complaining against the officials, it's just. It, it just seems petty and it doesn't work. And I, I was with the Raptors for that. They were getting, you know, shafted by some calls. But then the Bradley Beal sixth foul, that's a barely, that shouldn't, that's a play on at best. And so you have to say on from the balance of the game, given the last four minutes without Beal, they should have pulled this one off. Did officiating have any sort of factor in this one? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of ways you can view this game and and through the prism of like officiating, I think there's definitely some beefs that you can point to and say, okay, those didn't go our way, but there were some offsets as well. Obviously, the flagrant against uh, JV was ridiculous. I thought that didn't make any sense. Um, and, and, and you mentioned the call against Bradley Beal. I agree. I think uh, we probably caught a break on that one. I, we definitely caught a break on that one. That was that wasn't a foul. Um, and and I think there was like four or five minutes left in the game at that point. So we're thinking, you know, tie game. Their best player arguably was out of the game. From that point on, you think it'd be smooth sailing, but it was literally virtually the opposite. Um, I thought the fouls were. I mean, it is what it is. I think we we were called for 26 fouls. They were called for 23. Uh, so a slight imbalance. But I mean it's hard to point at the officiating in this one and say that was the reason we lost this game. I think it just added fuel to the fire and it was one of those. Um, but yeah, like I agree with you in the sense that the complaining to the officiating, it's not like I'm surprised cause we've all seen this from, especially from the backcourt before. I think Lowry got ejected against this very team uh, early in the regular season in one of our more frustrating losses against the wizards at home. Um, so we've been rattled by this before. I'm not shocked by it. It's just that, the fourth or fifth, I think fifth straight year in the playoffs. Now you would expect to see a little bit more composure from the core guys, uh, which is still a little disappointing to see. But I mean, 
I think we all have a right to be frustrated, and it's just a question of whether you're frustrated at the referees, frustrated at yourselves, frustrated at your teammates. I think it's just we're just frustrated, right? So it's difficult to say, you know, the officiating was the reason that we lost the game because I, I don't think that's that that would be fair. Yeah, so you might get some headlines after this one that Casey shortened the rotation. Um, you know, we played nine guys today instead of usually 11, mm-hmm. but those two are Norman Powell and his customary two minutes and a turnover. <laughs> and Baby Noguera coming in with with doing whatever Baby does. Uh, so I, I I don't know how much how much we really shortened it. I mean we played nine guys. Uh, C J Miles had 21 minutes was completely ineffective. Had a had a missed a big three. Uh, Purtle was he had a decent game, but I just felt it could have been a lot better. There was a lot of rebounds that he got his hands to, but couldn't totally corral. Um, I, th- I thought he picked up a couple of offensive charges, which didn't make sense. At least one, which was just just poor. So his stat line looks okay, but he could have been a lot better. The guy who the guy who I thought played well was Delon Wright in 27 minutes. Uh, I think he ran the the offense really well in that early part of the fourth. And at that point, you just had a feeling that the Raptors would actually pull this off. Uh, but again, as discussed, uh, we went into ISO ball. Um, you know, we're, we're we're about 13 minutes into this podcast, and we got to wrap it up fairly soon um how are you feeling about this series man you, you still confident we can pull it off i i think i am confident that we'll pull it off um I'm, I'm i'm kind of at odds as to whether this thing will go seven games um we we don't really know what to expect at this point but um to your point earlier i think i think i i get this weird feeling in this series where i don't feel as that same feeling about our depth that i got during the, the season like there was a point in January, February where things were clicking and we you would just know going into a game that we were the deeper team. Like we had more talent uh, at the end of our bench than the other team. We had more talent with our sixth and seventh guys uh, and our starters were just good enough to kind of um, outperform the other team to the extent that we needed on that night. But this, the past four games, including the first two, has made me realize that we may not be as deep when it counts. I know Van Vliet's out and that's a huge loss, but... I don't know. I just get the feeling that we're not as deep as we thought. And that's more of a qualitative thing than what the numbers might say, other than the two disappointing bench performances we've seen the past two games. But it just just doesn't feel like we have that edge from a depth perspective that we did earlier on. Um, But having said that, I think think we can still win the series. It's just that, you know, we're going to start seeing those same old narratives again with the here we go again with the same old Raptors, right? Yeah, I, I think, I don't think your depth will make up for your starters being shed especially yep. your two best players. Like, I don't care yep. how deep you are. It's just not going to overcome that. The depth is a complement to what your starters are bonus. doing. Yeah, it should yeah, be a it's, bonus. It's not, it's not going to make up for it. Like, when you when you look at the box score, you know, you, uh, you know, our, our top three players, DeRozan, Lowry, and Ibaka, are minus 12, minus 10, and minus 11. They're three worst plus minuses. They, they, all, neither of them had fantastic games. Um, so... I, I get the depth. You're, you're you're probably right. I mean, we're we're not as deep as we're not we're not as deep as we looked in the regular season, we're, and we're not as bad as we looked in Game Four. We're probably somewhere in between. But, but, um, it, it it no matter what kind of lineup you put out there from a bench perspective, what they produce, it's not going to make up for your top three players being crap. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. No argument there. I think, I think it comes down, and then, again, it's going to sound really reductive to say, but like. Their stars have outplayed our stars. Like, let's yeah. just call a spade a spade. Like, their backcourt, I think, throughout the four games, despite Beal's uh, somewhat disappointing performances in Toronto, I think through four games, all things considered, you know, 
trying to ignore recency bias, like their two stars have outplayed our two stars flat out. Um, and I think it starts there and then everything else trickles down from that. Uh, when And like I said before, when the complimentary guys for Washington's going, like it's it's basically game over at that point. And, so, yeah. so yeah. And, and, and I'd say our bench actually played fairly decent in this game because whenever we were matched up with Washington's bench, we were positive on the court. Uh, yeah. which is early fourth, that part of the second quarter. It, it was it was fine. I mean, they had no complaints there. Uh, yeah, you had Lowry complimenting them at the time as well. But if you look at the stretches that killed us, it's that th- that early third quarter stretch where Beal went off uh, and the Raptors, you know, the, the def- defense fell asleep. I mean, a couple of switches didn't go the right way. Uh, people forgot where uh, where Beal was on one play. That That's what killed us, that stretch. And then after Beal fouled out, DeRozan just took some really, really bad shots. And Washington on the other end used made shots after while the Raptors were still scrambling on getting back. Right? As soon as you take a contested shot, your, your positioning is out of place. And Washington, to their credit, just ran it back within within five seconds and Wall got fouled or, or what have you. But it, it, two stretches define this game. And in both stretches, in the third quarter stretch, our defense was nowhere to be found. In the fourth quarter stretch, our offense was nowhere to be found. Yeah, totally agree, man. I think those were two that the two of the slides that really, really gave Washington the wind in their sails to finish this out. Uh, the third quarter kind of set the tone. I thought at that point I was still somewhat comfortable with with what we had done. We I think we were tied uh, at the end of three. I, I think it felt manageable. It felt like the Wizards made the run that the Raptors were trying to avoid for the most of the game and the worst was over and they could kind of put their stamp on the fourth quarter. But when it kind of seeped into that fourth quarter, I think um, a couple of decisions that I thought were interesting, uh, keeping Pirtle in the, on, on the court as long as Dwayne Casey did was an interesting call. I didn't think it was necessarily a bad one. It was just interesting and something different we hadn't seen in the first three games. Um, and then the second thing I thought was kind of just the way we were running our offense. I think obviously we've been alluding to it several times, but the DeMar uh, kind of centric offense that made him play hero ball a little bit in those last final few possessions was just killer, man. I thought there was there was a couple of threes that he attempted that were I was okay with one of them, but the second step back was a little uncalled for. And then the one play where he drove in. Uh, missed the layup, and then I think we had Ibaka and Pirtle in prime rebounding position to get a putback, and then obviously they fumble it. Washington comes down the other end and scores. Like those were backbreaking plays that I thought if they went in our favor, we could have squeaked this out. Um, similar to kind of uh, Game Six against Milwaukee last year, um, but it just didn't have that feel to it at the end. Washington had all the confidence in the world. You saw Ubre like jacking up the crowd. Like that to me was kind of the. Uh, this game in a nutshell, or at least the second half in a nutshell, when when you have Kelly Oubre going off and, and getting the crowd into it, like at that point, we knew the, the game was over. <laughs> and, and if I'm Washington at this point, you have to think that you have developed or, or figured out some sort Definitely. of pattern where the Raptors are beatable. And, and one thing where we're really, really vulnerable is in transition off of makes, misses, what have you. Um, the Raptors just are not getting back. Or I, I think they're getting back in an average way, whereas Washington is just better at running the court than us. And uh, they just take advantage of that first uh, first tekin, 10 seconds of the shot clock and, and get their points that way. I, I, th- I thought the Raptors were doing that early in the, in the, in the first half as well, but Washington, through the course of the 48 minutes, is just better at, at, at running, and, and, um, and they kind of showed that, especially off yeah. uh, misses. Yeah, that, that that game plan works for them, and I think, like, 
there's definite tangible takeaways we can take around transition defense, turnovers, three-point defense, not letting their backcourt get off. And I thought, like, <clears throat> let's not forget that this has been a problem all year. Like, I know we've been talking about the culture change and more passing, more threes, better team, more depth, all of that stuff. And I think through four games, some of that is evident. Like, that's all fine. But let's not forget throughout 82 games, like, crunch time offense and crunch time execution was a major issue. I know it was better close to the end of the year, but for a large portion of this season, this we've seen this story before. So close games, especially in playoff high leverage moments, like still worry me as a Raptor fan. I think the way we got to win this series is by outplaying the other opponent thoroughly wire to wire for 48 minutes, because if it's a close game, quite honestly, I'm worried about this team. I'm worried about like how we execute down the stretch. I'm worried about DeMar, you know, reverting back to ISO ball. I thought it was interesting because this is one of the few playoff games where we didn't see a lot of traps for DeMar and, and, and Kyle, especially DeMar, which, you know, we might have expected to see. And I almost feel like his eyes light up when he finds out that he's not being trapped or that he's, uh, you know, put on a one-on-one -on -one with Oubre or with Porter or whoever because when he's, like, he's been doing that for his whole career. So when he sees that in a high-leverage moment and, you know, we don't want to turn it over and, and we want to funnel our possessions through our best players, in that moment, like, I feel like we revert to, you know, what we've been. So, and, and we've seen that story before with this team, the crunch time down the, uh, crunch time offense down the stretch has been an issue. So let's hope that, you know, game six or five and six will be a more wire to wire victory because if it comes down to the last few moments, like I, I, I don't want to sound, you know, cynical or, or sound like I have recency bias, but I'm worried about this team in the final few minutes, man. Like, I don't know what you feel, but. No, I, I, I think what we can score against Washington if we just keep our heads about it. I mean, I, I felt there was absolutely no need for DeMar to try to take over the game and win it by himself. I thought DeLon was doing a decent enough job running the offense mm -hmm. with Lowry in the backcourt, and, and things were fine. Um, Pirtle, was he was having a decent fourth quarter. I think uh, Siakam, he missed a, you know, a pretty easy shot there on the on the hook, but overall he was playing well. I, I felt we were in, in a good position to win it, and it's it's it, like we shot ourselves in the foot by going rogue. Uh, so I, I'm i not worried that the Raptors can't score in the fourth. It's just whether they choose to play a certain type, style of basketball like they did today because that's not going to work for them because that plays right into the hands of Washington. Because as soon as you drive and you miss a shot, uh, your guards are first of all not in a not in a let's get back on D position, especially the guy who drove, which is DeRozan, and you give Wall just that opportunity to leak out and spur their offense. That's something we can't do. We should just be smart about it and play, just play normal Raptors basketball. Share the ball, move it, and we'll be just fine. There's no need to be a hero in the, in this series. Maybe there yeah. will be later on in the playoffs if we get that far. But in this series, we, we don't need you know, DeRozan to have 46 to win the game. We just don't. Yeah, no, I agree. And, um, like, again, I, I, I think we harped on this before, but, like, the turnovers, man. Like, we've this has now gotten to a point where... And I think it's not necessarily the fact that we had 18 turnovers. Like, to me, it's who's turning the ball over. Like, look at the guys who've turned the ball over the most. Serge Ibaka, Jonas Valanciunas, Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan. That's, like, 10 turnovers or 11 turnovers in your starting lineup. Um, and, and CJ Miles, like these are veteran guys. And I'm, I'm starting to question, like, 
in practices and shoot arounds and game film, all of that stuff has been stressed over and over again. And your veteran guys who've been in the playoffs time and time again are repeating the same mistakes and playing into the hands of the opponent. Like that makes me wonder a little bit about, you know, the execution, um, dare I say the coaching, um, some of the, you know, mental elements that we've always harped about on about this team in terms of, you know, is is some of those past playoff losses uh, weighing on them? Like I thought there were to me, there were two primary takeaways in this game. Obviously, the fourth quarter offense and execution. I guess you could throw in the early third quarter stretch, as you mentioned that those two stretches and the second takeaway was the turnovers once again. And when those are constantly your, you know, or I guess the turnovers, when that's constantly your takeaway and your veteran guys are letting you down, um, that does worry me a little bit. And and I think now that Washington has this the momentum in this series and they've won the second two games instead of the first two games like we did, it, it really does pose some worry around the mental uh, fragility of this team coming back home for a game five, right? Yeah. And it should be mentioned with the turnovers, the, uh, the Wizards only scored 11 points off the turnovers today. But it's not necessarily the points, it's the it's the break in momentum that, that it results. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially in the first half, when the Raptors, I thought, deserved to be up by a lot more because they had played halfway decent, but for the turnovers that limited their, their advantage. So it's not as bad as in Game 3 where we basically fuel their offense by it, but here it was just limiting our own production for because sure. of the turnovers. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, so, Sham, I think uh, let's let's wrap it up. I don't want to do the whole three stars thing today. It's just it's just not it's just not not, <laughs> not even three right. moons. No, uh, <laughs> three. Let's let's do the three moons. Okay, who's the who, who's the the biggest moon? Uh, let's uh, go the biggest moon. I, I gotta go with CJ, man. Um, for the I don't know, maybe this might be too. Biggest um, moon is CJ Miles who played twenty one minutes. Well, okay. Really, you're gonna give it to a in bench guy. In no particular guy? order, I'd go with CJ, Demar, and probably Serge. In no particular order. Yeah. Um, CJ, I thought not necessarily because he only had two points or anything like that. I just thought at the end of the game, um, I think we we had Delon. We had a closing lineup of like Delon, Jakob, uh, uh, Kalari, DeRozan, and I think it was Siakam or can't remember or Ibaka. Sorry. So. I think we took out Delon, I believe, and put in CJ to kind of shoot us back in the game. And I actually liked that move. But then the moment he comes in the game, wide open for a three, and that's the shot we need him to hit, and he doesn't hit it. And it was just one of those, you know, shrug emoji moments about this game. What, what, what are your thoughts on not going with JV and sticking with uh, yeah. Siakam and Pirtle in the fourth? Because JV, was an interesting call, uh, yeah. I, I get JV had a couple of turnovers, but overall he was efficient again. Um, his his rebounding wasn't great today. I thought he got muscled a little bit in his 15 minutes, but in that fourth quarter, maybe you want a little bit of a little bit of muscle there, making sure you collect the offensive rebounds, especially because the Raptors did give up nine nine offensive rebounds this game and, and had a bit of a trouble collecting the boards, man. I, I, and 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 you know what? He's the most experienced guy there, and you need some experience down the stretch on the road, tight game, and you got you got Siakam and Portal out there when you have your more most experienced big. Or second most experienced break after Ibaka on the bench. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. That was one of those. But that's one of those classic calls that just we can point to after a loss and say that might be a questionable choice. I thought in the moment it was 
um, a risky decision, but it, it was justified. I thought Jakob obviously had a better game than in game three. I thought it was just the fouls. Like the fouls just really limited his production. Um, obviously didn't get the benefit of the doubt on a couple of those calls, but he's just got to be disciplined. I think principle of verticality, just remain disciplined and, and stay away from foul trouble and he's fine. But yeah, like JV, I thought wouldn't have been a bad option necessarily. I'm not sure if he would have changed the complexion of the game, but yeah, like certainly add some experience down low, you know, maybe avoid some of those ticky tack fouls that hampered us down the stretch. But I thought that was an interesting call by Casey to go with, um, to, to go with Pirtle down the stretch. But again, like I said, I don't think that was the reason we lost the game. That's just one of those hmm, moments. Like after a loss, you look back and you're like, Oh, that's something that's interesting. I just don't know if I can point to it and say that's why no, we lost. No, I'm, just, I'm just calling out the decision. And final question, For sure, man. Yeah. Does, does Norman Powell have a role in this series at all? Because when, when, I, when I saw Bradley Beal going off and Anobi can't handle him because he's a little light, I was thinking, mm. could, could Powell help there defensively? Or is he just too much of a liability on offense and his confidence is shot that it's not even worth bringing him in? I think that's what it is. I think the only reason Norm Powell is is sniffing really any meaningful playing time in this series is because of Van Vliet. Like, let's be real, right? I mean, I, I don't, I, I just don't know if he would factor into this series unless in a break class of emergency type of situation, mm-hmm. if Van Vliet was playing, because, I mean, he he wasn't a part of this rotation for like a big chunk of the season, mm-hmm. and for to, I, mean, I know if if anybody was to just make a magical appearance in the playoffs, it would be Norm. But um, like I said, like I Willis think... Reed, like, like a Willis Reed <laughs> appearance by Norm. Exactly, Powell. exactly. So I mean, a short answer to your question is no. I, I don't right. think he will play a meaningful role in this series. But uh, stranger things have happened, especially in in Game Fives. <laughs> All right. All right, Sean. Let's leave it at that, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, prediction for Game Five. Well, you gotta you gotta say win, right? I mean, yeah. history says we do well in that game, pivotal game, and that's why we play to have home court for Game Five, right? All right, I'll go with that one too, listener. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you after Game Five, uh, and hopefully, hopefully, the Raptors aren't staring death after Game Five, but uh, but a chance to close it out in Washington. Uh, see you then. 